how did I get into the mainframe? <laughs> like, <laughs> here I am. <laughs> oh. Somebody put me on Ocean's Eleven. Ocean's Eight, actually. It's a better movie. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. okay. Hey, everybody. This is the episode on socialization of feminine relationships. Wow, I can't. It's going to be, this one's going to be a big one. And big as in, we're going to be pausing to explain terminology. We're going to be going deeper into a lot of, um, here's the trigger warnings here is sexism, abuse, patriarchy, gender binary, and harassment, all within this umbrella of feminine relationships. And so Mm -hmm. we are Mm -hmm. responding to a Benchtopia podcast episode. You can definitely find them on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And their podcast episode is titled Heterosexuality is a Trauma Response. And their podcast is based off of Adrian Rich's idea of compulsory heterosexuality and the lesbian continuum. So Adrian Rich created this um, paper in 1980 and they had evaluated that article. And here we are responding and evaluating as well as elevating that conversation with our own experiences and responses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is a really big episode and I am hungover as fuck. And the thing is, it's also Cue big because... the music room. <laughs> the music. Fuck. <laughs> Drum roll. Drum roll. <laughs> is this isn't working. I think Brain this is also big. Showed up yet. <laughs> like... Because we've we've listened to this podcast episode separately and also together like several times several times or five times each. maybe not like the full part maybe i would revisit some sections Mm -hmm. and it's because so much of it has resonated and i just highly recommend listening to it because we're all gonna have different perspectives on it anyhow honestly i would say listen to it twice so listen to it i mean obviously Mm -hmm. if you don't have the time but I know that there's going to be a point where you're just zoning out at your computer and you're like, should I learn something or possibly question my own sexuality today? And this will be the time to do it. So, yes. so the answer is yes. Yes. Always question it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Um, fuck. What was I going to Oh, listen to it twice because if yes. you listen to it the first time, it's a lot of information coming at you. It's a hot take. Like it's a very hot take. There were some things I kind of still am struggling to figure out if I agree with. Um, but not that you have to, to agree with anything either. No, no. Yeah. Like, but I'm still struggling to figure out my opinions, like, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, but then, like, you know, take a day and come back the next day or the next week or whenever it is, like, soaked in a little bit more for you or the next time you're zoning out of your computer. And listen to it again because there's more things that you pick up on when oh, yeah. you listen to it a second time around and you're actually kind of – already understand what they're trying to talk about Mm -hmm. um because it is a really big fascinating concept um that has can go down several different avenues which is why i think that this is going to be one of our longer podcast episodes because and i also think not even longer it'll just be meatier like there's just gonna be a lot of content that (laughs) <laughs> we're actually going to be I was picturing up. the dinosaur meteor and I was like what is that oh, meat? meat like no meat like- I know I know <laughs> I know <laughs> I mean dinosaurs are cool too that's that can be another conversation I was just confused I was you're like, you're kind of you got your own thing going on <laughs> I'm still over. my birthday was yesterday <laughs> I know okay I also want to say I checked in with Mary like what a few days ago or something and I was like hey like we're still good to record Sunday and you're like yeah it's totally fine and I'm like, but it's your birthday. And she's like, no, it's totally fine. 
Yeah. And look at her now. <laughs> look at me now. Aren't you proud, mom? <laughs> okay, let's get into it. So I think I'm starting this one. So the idea that um, the idea that really kind of like is the biggest part, I think, of this whole thing, which is the whole podcast li- that we listen to, which is their breakdown of Adrian Rich's paper, um, is the idea that there is an abusive relationship between within the patriarchy. So it is this um, idea that because of the way that women have to find ways to survive um, while abiding by the rules of patriarchy and knowing that they don't get to live their life to the fullest, we have started to almost like have this trauma response to, um, to those expectations put on women. Because if we want to get into it, we like way back in the past, way, way back in the past, not that far back, like 30 years or so back in the past, it feels like when we're the seventies or sixties, like that wasn't too far. Anyways, 30, I guess 30, actually to like 30, be specific 30 years ago was like the nineties, like work. You're like, no time doesn't exist. <laughs> it doesn't matter. We'll have way to- back, way back, back when, <laughs> um, when women weren't getting paid less than men. Oh, wait. No, that's still happening. Oh. Also a trauma response. This is actually part of... Okay, here's the thing. Way back when, women were obviously, like, they couldn't have their own salaries. They couldn't have, like, their own homes. They're, if they had gave birth to a child, the child belonged to the man. It didn't belong to her. Um, if they, you know, were sexually assaulted, they were now uh, wasted basically, and unworthy of anything. Um, So women, the only way that they could survive was by getting married or by being held over by your father. Like, you know, um, and that caused this, we have, women need a man to survive. And that is exactly what, that is part of the foundation that our society really just like European, uh, European American Westernized. Christian, Judeo. I try to avoid westernized, and I, I have a reason why, but I can't think of it right now. Anyway, okay. I'm interested in that, but we'll table yeah, that. Okay, table okay, it for okay. another time. Okay. Judeo-Christian society has really started to um, have this idea of, like, you know, it's it's been built on that, and now in my mind, it's almost like a generational trauma for women, which is you will never be able to be fully living, fully surviving. No. Yeah, surviving, yeah. but also living if you don't have a man in your life. You are not successful. Because there were plenty of women not too long ago who were actually not successful, not able to survive because they didn't have that. We, in the area that we're in now, the time that we're in, there are moves being made. There are conversations being had. There's a lot of backtracking. Fuck you, Texas. Mm -hmm. But we're getting there. And it's like now easier for a woman to actually sustain life without a man in her life. So the idea, though, is that because of this realization, women were never able to fully understand what they desired because they were never going to be able to survive if they desired a relationship with another woman or to not be married at all or I don't know. It's like like right out of the womb, right out of the womb, you are expected to love the color pink, get married, have two kids and a dog maybe you know and... that pink used to be a masculine color yes i did actually sorry it was ahead. swapped just it like was political swapped. parties 
just like the political we're dropping some bombs here and well and i feel like when i learned those things i felt offended that i wasn't raised to understand that like they the education system or whatever grade i was in just dropped it and i was like wait a second <laughs> oh i didn't find out till senior year of high school yeah i think it was high school when they and, like, told us about that. someone just goes because because i remember this we were in a debate and a lot of conservatives were like, well, we've had good presidents like, you know, um, Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. So we're not racist or something like that was like the conversation they were having. And then like my GovCon teacher just kind of goes, so the party's actually switched. <laughs> like, and that's the only reason we found out was yeah. because like Republicans, for some whatever reason, we wanted to like all lay claim to our presidents or something like that. Anyways, that's yeah. And that still happens now, but. Anywho. So the idea of this entire paper is just women are only a lot of women who are heterosexual or identify as heterosexual may not actually be able to fully experience or even understand or think about that their sexuality could be more fluid, abstract, or just completely different because they're told that they need a man that it's better to have a man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I do also want to add that we haven't actually read Adrian Rich's full paper. Uh-uh. We, this is again, again, this is in response to the podcast about that paper. And so, our definition, our working definition, I'll add, of feminine relationships. Um, we thought about this really hard because of the gender binary, how we want to phrase and use the word feminine. And so, the way that we have defined it is as the so- socialization of feminine traits in relationships such as emotional intimacy vulnerability, the nurturing aspect, which nurture being defined as caring for and encouraging the growth or development of something. And also that these traits are expected by women, as Mary had mentioned. They're expected by women within relationships to men in all, in all across the board. So we are thinking like siblings. We're saying non-romantic platonic friendships romantic relationships that if you're a woman father to daughter relationship right within um relation to a man you are expected you are socialized to act on these feminine traits and the thing is that we want to really pinpoint is that men are not expected to reciprocate those feminine traits so within those relationships Women are here giving and giving and nurturing and doing all these things and all this like internal work for themselves and for the other person. And at the same time, they're not getting it in return. Yeah, they're not getting. um, I feel like this can turn into a video very quick, a video, a podcast, an episode very quickly that um, can seem like we're almost saying that men give nothing. Or men bring nothing or like, you know, or they're not emotionally vulnerable or that they're not capable. We're not saying that this is like an aspect of every single heterosexual relationship. We're just saying that when it comes to these feminine traits, such as emotional intimacy, vulnerability and nurturing, it is not expected for a masculine person to sit there and offer that back to a Mm -hmm. feminine counterpart. Mm -hmm. Um. And that can be very detrimental to both the masculine person because they're clearly not living their life. And then also the uh, feminine identifying person, I'm just going to say women, but assume I'm saying it with the X so that way everybody kind of falls into it. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense to me. I also think, yeah, because you can be feminine without being a woman. So I, That's I, I also want to say so that. So I feel like I want to say that, like, you, like, so when we're just saying women, we mean people with the feminine traits or that, like, if that makes any sense, we're not trying to Very say Very traditional that... within the binary that, that they expect this yeah. type, which is why we chose the term socialization. I think that really hits it yeah. on the head. So what we see a lot in when it comes to these types of relationships is we see it really ranging like so much in every single style um, a woman can be identified as, which is a mother, friend, nurturer, sexual partner. This is seen in literally every single aspect of a woman's life. And the first one that I think we're going to talk about is the mother, um, the mother relationship, the mother-child relationship, the mother-father relationship, and what it means to have that expectation put on you. A lot of expectations for mothers are to be these very nurturing people. They are expected to be the one that comes to you when you're sad or scared or have been hurt. They are the one that puts the Band-Aid on you and makes you feel better. Um, and that same expectation, while it is put on a father to protect and keep safe, it is not often to give the, um, yeah. And I like, I want to bring it to a point after listening to the podcast a few times, they did bring up how the mother is our first interaction and relationship when it comes to these socialized traits, these feminine Mm -hmm. traits that we talk about, like nurturing and being this emotional support, Um, And of course, you know, saying that not all mothers are nurturing or not all parents are. And I mean, I got things to say on that. And again, the socialization of what a mother should be is that first interaction. And so we then expect, because we're born into this world with that, like expectation we almost generalize that to other people who may be mom-like. And I think that's why I really liked your point. Mary had brought up about the mom friend. Yeah. Which I think we all like, we all know what the mom friend is, which is it's the one that always has Advil in her purse or always has a spare tampon or um, is the one that like, you know, calls the Uber before you go to the bar. Make <laughs> yes, sure everybody has yes. their phone and their keys and their wallet. Make mm-hmm. sure that you got a coat because you know it's going to be chilly. Um, all these things, make sure that everybody stays together. All these things are expected. Um, every every friend group, and I mean every friend group has the mom friend. Um, every female friend group, I would say. At least. So it was kind of interesting, though, because what made me think about this is the idea of, like, when talking about the mother, we were also talking about how these expectations are not placed upon the dad or not accepted for a dad to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we can say the same thing because it's like, do we have a dad friend? Yeah. No, mm-hmm. we do not. And it's just like, so what does it mean? And if we if we do whatever definition you might have when we say the term dad friend, that's not really a term that we use within our culture. Like we have the mom friend is a staple like that we use within our culture. So Mm -hmm. it's just weird how, or not weird. It's interesting that we have this idea and almost a shared idea, like the shared definition of what a mom friend is. Mm -hmm. 
And that mom friend is expected to be nurturing and caring and to be willing to listen to you, Mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting because then we go into the actual friends and there's a very bit like actual friend relationship, which is can when we're talking about feminine friendships, something that was brought up that was really interesting in this uh, podcast episode, the Benchtopia one, was they were talking about how feminine on feminine friendships can be extremely bountiful. They can be very... um, They can be basically everything that you need. And that's because both women were probably socialized to be nurturing and caring and vulnerable and emotionally available. And so when you have a friendship where you're actually able to give those things both back, um, you create a very healthy, healthy and bountiful environment. Bountiful is kind of where I'm going. I'm thinking cornucopias. Yeah, I know. I'm like, maybe I'm hungry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, that that is quite the term. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, but it, it is. When they were, I don't know, that part, like this idea that they're talking about, there are things that we might know and already practice, but we've never really like recognized. Like me and Mary definitely have that type of friendship. I don't need, what what could I get from a man that I can't get from Mary? Come on. (laughs) I mean- I can think of one thing (laughs) you can get from a man that you can't get from Mary. But when we're talking about emotional stuff, like- those are things that I am already fulfilled with. And also going on to that, um, which we'll go into later, is that because I have such fulfilling female friendships and, you know, when looking for a partner, a male counterpart, like I would want them to also mirror that same friendship that I have or relationship that I have with my girlfriends. Yeah. Why would I have different expectations for a partner just because they have a different sex or that they have a different gender identity. Yeah. I think that, that that was very interesting to me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that like we see, we see in every single feminine masculine relationship is we see this um, lacking of emotional availability from the um, masculine counterpart because they were not socialized to have these things. They were actually told that these things made you weaker. And so you have a very different relationship that is happening between a feminine on feminine feminine and a masculine friendship. Um, there's an expectation generally. Well, so first off, there's an expectation for the woman to obviously be more nurturing. That's something that we've talked about a while. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that was kind of fascinating that you and I really wanted to get into was friend zoning. And, and so it's an expectation that I think a lot of men have, but honestly, most women have an expectation when you're friends with a dude, you'll probably get together. Not saying that the woman who's in that friendship with the dude, I'm saying all of her friends and mm, the moms. Okay. Thank you for and clarifying. And everybody who's looking around. I have been in plenty of friendships with guys where I'm like, I am, this is never going to happen. This is nope. <laughs> like you are literally my friend. But every time I was hanging out with that guy, it's like, I when was, are you going to get together? Are when you are you going to get together? Oh, my God. You guys are like a couple. It's yeah, so like, cute. Oh, you're so cute. Oh, my wow, God. Wow. I can't, oh believe God. You guys, <laughs> can't believe you guys haven't had sex yet. Like, or just like even at a very, very young age. I remember, I think I've talked about this in a past episode. I remember like I was expected to have feelings for a like um, for one of my family friends who he and I were just the same age. And, yeah, that and you was would it. play that was together. Team. Like, that's And we it. played together and everybody was like, oh, Mary, do you like him? And I was like, 
do I like him? Because I'm four. And, he, <laughs> and people are telling me I should like him. So I'm like, I guess That's I like thing. him. Even that. What, but what does it even mean to experience sexual attraction when you're I four? You don't. That. I hate that. They are sexualizing you as a child. And I know not in the way that we might think like you're sexualized as an adult because people look at you differently in terms of like, oh, your body and like you're growing. It's more yeah. of like they are sexualizing you by, you know, projecting a sexuality onto you exactly mm-hmm. and it's like when you're four or five or i mean honestly all the way up until probably like 10 or 11 right no you're yeah. probably not thinking about those things because chances are you haven't had puberty yet no and also so, you're literally just trying to hang man my two best friends when i was in kindergarten were two dudes shout out to christian and steven shout out shout hey. out <laughs> But it's just like, so then there's also this expectation that a lot of men have towards mm. other men, which is, oh, you two are going to bang someday. You mean male friend groups? Yeah, like to male friend groups, sorry, to yeah, female on men yes. relationships, not, I see no. What yes, yeah. to clarify. And I think but that's what's interesting, too, is like there is, you know, let's say family and friends look to you, um, you're a woman, you're friends with a man, and they're like, oh my God, you're going to get together. And then the male friend group are like you guys are gonna fuck yes or even just like maybe they're not even paying attention because nothing's happening romantically you know like you can't it's almost like oh you're just a friend like we're not gonna put that much effort into like getting to know you I think that's (laughs) interesting because that itself is this blockade of emotional availability almost like you're not worthy because you're a chick so like and oh you're not dating so you're not like really going to be a part of this my friend's life or whatever like something weird there's all these ideas and expectations and then here is just a woman and a man just trying to be friends and trying to hang (laughs) well okay this was actually something like i i brought up to you which was almost like on the same side but not the same side of it but it was like when I had guy friends that would then try to get with me or something like that and I didn't show interest or not even guy friends just guys Mm -hmm. it was suddenly like oh you you're a lesbian right oh you're just like not into dudes Mm -hmm. are you just like Mm -hmm. a man hater like you know like what about this like what about me I'm sure I can change your mind shit like that and it was like the fact that it was like I was hearing that And, like, I personally am very strong. I understand my sexuality. I know who I'm attracted to. Um, But the fact that it was, like, there are so many probably women who are dealing with that. And going past the fact that they were trying to stigmatize the fact that a woman could be a lesbian. And the fact that, like, obviously it was meant as an insult. Mm -hmm. But it's, like, on top of that, you're also making a woman look at herself and be, like, is there something wrong with me? Mm -hmm. Because I'm not attracted to you. Mm -hmm. And honestly... No, (laughs) sometimes guys just aren't cute. They're smelly. They're so smelly. It's not even that. Like, I know I smell. It's like men just kind of suck. I never smell. (laughs) No, yeah. I mean, and that's part of the. And it's because of this. Yes, exactly. And I think going back to like friend groups, when, like, for me as a woman socialized to have these feminine traits, if I have guy friends, which I do, and I meet their friends, I want to get to know their friends. That's my, like, initial thought. You want to get to get know to the know people you. in your life. Right, like, I'm in your life. I want to get to know the other people in their life. But I think with, like, 
men, I just don't see that as much. Yeah. Well, and I think it's almost like this. I think Which, that, that that can kind of vary from like person to person. Totally, you and I are totally. very outgoing people. Um and like we just want to meet everybody, which right. is we're like funny. puppies. We're like dogs. Yeah, we're kind of like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just like wait. Give me a treat and pet my head. <laughs> I am comfy. <laughs> <laughs> Throw the ball. Throw the ball. Throw the ball. <laughs> I'll run after it. <laughs> which Anyways. we've done before. Okay, yeah, we have. I know. I know. <laughs> um, shit. Where were we? What were we talking? About? I don't know. Oh, how it's different, obviously different between people. Like it's obviously people, it is, different it from person hard. to person. But right, the thing was, right. is I remember like, I mean, we had this like guy that we are very much no longer friends with. And you and I talked about this a lot when we were writing. But when we met his friends, first off, they either looked at us like, oh, we were a prospect for them because it's not That's like we another can meet thing. each other and be normal. I was, or, like, I was basically pimped out. Or, or <laughs> what? Um, so who's, who's with this guy? Yeah, like, who's with who? Like, you are literally just there for the man. Yeah. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's the guy who called, who's, like, literally, like, we never even had a discussion about it. There was never any sort of, like, sexual chemistry between him and I. But, like, for some reason, he took the time to, like, tell everybody that he thought I was a lesbian because I wasn't into him. Right. And. And that ego, like, the My ego, boyfriend of four uh, years may question that. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> it's just like the entitlement that comes from that. Yeah. And the expectation of like, oh, I am part like of your sexual experience. Like even though yeah, I'm it's just like, a why woman and I'm here. Like why, why can't I just be there? Why can't I just be here in yeah. this whatever event situation that we're in without having their without having any indication of any romantic relationship? Like why does why is there an expectation that when you're is there there's a room we're just going to picture a room there's a, a room. group of men and women and we're our thought on our brain goes to and maybe this is like an animalistic type thing that we have innate I think maybe part of, it is. part of it is and it's like oh we're gonna like search for who we're like attracted to because part- we're gonna mate with and create more of right us. and like, then that's also just that just thing. to make it more complicated i guess is more so who am i going to be comfortable in maybe with how they dress, what their race is, how mm-hmm. you can see, like how you can externally perceive them because that is a survival instinct of our own comfortability. Yeah. And also, so, why is it an expectation that when mm-hmm. a group of a group of guys and a group of girls get together, someone's going to get together? Or someone's dating already. Like why Someone's is it, dating already. Like, why can't, can't just... there just be a mixed group of living, breathing human beings just having a good time? I don't like. I don't know. I right, don't know. right. But it's this, and that's the point of this that, conversation. And it kind of goes back to like the exchange of like women as a sexual commodity. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I love God, that word, I commodity. Freaking, I saw that. It's a good word. Mm-hmm. I saw this freaking TikTok one time, mm-hmm. and this just like goes back to like the socialization of feminists and just the sexualizing that comes with being a woman in mm-hmm. a patriarchal society. Mm-hmm. And it was like. I saw this TikTok and it, it was a guy just being like, girls think they have it hard, but we have to buy all your drinks. Blah. And I guess was like, what? guess what? I don't drink. <laughs> <laughs> buy me a soda, motherfucker. <laughs> I don't drink soda either. Get me a goddamn Tr- croissant. <laughs> Joke's on you. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. No. Anyway, so 
but <laughs> jokes on you i don't drink um <sighs> but it was like this idea and then so then someone stitched into it or whatever it is right. that you do on tiktok but basically it was a woman being like the reason women are brought into bars like we've all had the experience or seen it on tv where the bodyguard will only let hot chicks in mm-hmm. or they'll only let chicks in in general mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then suddenly the idea of that is you are now making the bar, the club more attractive. Like you are now a part of this thing, a part of their equation for advertising themselves, for marketing themselves to the customer, which isn't women because they are now part of the commodity. They are like a commodity within this. Mm -hmm. They're a part of the the market. The man. That's who you're trying to finance bros. You know, (laughs) sure. (laughs) but then also on top of it, you know that, that those men are going to go in there and they're going to try to buy women drinks because they think if I buy you a drink, you're more likely to go home with me tonight or you're more likely to get my, like, give me your number or something like there will be a furthering in this like thing. So suddenly you have become this sexual item that is being traded and like, yes, there's some women who to- like, you know, take advantage of this, love that energy for you. Like, you know, I get it. Very sometimes in the city. Love. And it's fun to meet people that way too. Like I'm, but if we really break it down based off of like how this is actually happening, a bodyguard let you in as a woman who they were like, this will attract men because that's how it works. You were then taken to the bar and you are expected to have attracted them men that were drinks, thus getting the club more money and also offering the man the ability you right it is all oh it is so deliberative the patriarchy and capitalism working together it is very smart because they know exactly what they're doing and i'm personifying you know capitalism and patriarchy because people embody that and then like you said embody that like women are this market and it's this commodity that is can be traded, can be swapped for something, can be bartered. But even then, only if you look properly like a woman. Conventionally pretty people, whatever. Or, you know, you know, let's put in like race and body type, like exoticizing certain people. Like if you somehow fit the market that they're trying to serve, they're going to make you be a part of it. But also let's talk about it this way. Say you show up to a club jeans and a t-shirt mm-hmm. and they don't have a dress code or whatever but they got a bodyguard do you think that the bodyguard is gonna let you in first or gonna let the girl who's wearing you know like a skin tight dress and big heels which she's probably rocking it and looks stunning and i'm so happy for her and her yes and herself but you're not gonna get let in before that because you didn't look nice enough to pass the test mm-hmm in order to become a sexual commodity for this company. <laughs> yes. And it's literally like, all, all of that. All of that is to ser- serve the man. The man. Yeah. Quote, yeah. All caps. Yeah. <laughs> There's crumbs in my bed. <laughs> uh, and uh, all of that was, that is such a good point. And it just goes, that's just one example too. And there are just so many, so much other experiences that even just us two together individually have gone through. Um, I think something, Mary will go into this. You will, because I'll give this example. And it was in the podcast, the Benchtopia episode, when they okay. were saying how 
you know, let's do this nightlife example again. You had brought up the club. So you're walking out of the club and if you, if it's me and Mary, I mean, we, we've done this before anyways. We just walk out of the club and we're just like, we, let's go home. <laughs> yes, that. And we're just walking together alone on the street. Even though we are totally comfortable with each other, we're confident in ourselves, we would be more protected if we were with a man. Yeah. And what is interesting and very convoluted with that situation is that by being with a man, we are then protected by the violence that men perpetrate on to women. Yeah. So it's very just, much as catch 22. And, and it goes back to that survival thing. Right. Like, and how we cannot, like under this system, this abusive relationship with the patriarchy, it is so toxic that we cannot live our life to the fullest without proximity to men period even just okay so when I first got this job which I love and adore I was told by my boss because she said for my personal safety I need to know this because we're in an area where there's like it's not the best area there is some violence she said don't go home don't leave the building after dark was what she said to me she was like you leave before it gets dark that's what you do which is so kind and I love that she put that care into me and that she was like I want you to be safe this matters to me but then the but then it was also okay well what happens if I do stay after the dark yeah it's it's hard to like receive that I'm not safe like I cannot walk down that street a block away to my car because I was told I should probably call a security guard and get her to walk me get them to walk me out yeah and that's sad that she had to really go out of her way to like tell you that i know exactly and it's just like so like but let's be real men aren't facing that Mm-mm. like exactly what you said like wait, say we're walking out of the club how many times do you think that tina and i are going to get cat called on our way mm-hmm. to the car i think our record's like four <laughs> i i mean like this is an example that i was i have brought up you know way before and i'm gonna bring it up again it's just like I, in Sacramento, live by a bus stop. I've yeah. walked this route with Mary before. And I'm here I am with my little backpack, and I'm going to college, and I'm going to take a bus, and I'm going to go and, all the way down 65. And you're wearing a sweatshirt and, like, sweats. Because... And my hair's up, and I'm just chilling because it's, yeah, because it's college. And I'm like, I can do yeah, whatever. I don't, I don't care about anybody. No. <laughs> and then right at the stoplight in front of the bus stop, a man rolls down his window and says, hey, do you need a ride? No, bro. I'm waiting for the bus. <laughs> Look at me. Look, I'm getting a ride by the bus. <laughs> like th- things like that, and that was not the first time I've had. Um, I've gotten off the bus once, and I've walked down my street. I'm on my street, like I'm. I can see my house. Mm-hmm. A woman in a car pulls up and is like, "Hey, do you need a ride? I can give. I can give you a lift to your house." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "No, I'm really not that far." Of course, I don't say where I am. I don't want her to yeah. know where I live. Um, and she just tries someone like, it's okay. Like, I don't mind. And I'm like, well, bitch, I mind. And so I'm like, no, I'm fine. I like walking, which I do. And she just left. But things like that, where I'm like, you, that Whether is something that. Whether that had been out of the kindness of her heart or not, it was because you were a woman. It's because you're a small woman. I'm a small, young girl, you know, like I, that is walking alone. I am a target. I am a literal moving target. And because it's South Sac, I am very hyper aware of the trafficking 
Like I'm very hyper aware of the people who do go missing. And that is very sad that those are the things that I have to think about when just literally living my life. Yeah. And also just trying to save on gas and time and freaking carbon by taking the bus. It's so much more expensive to be a woman in this life. Like, and not if I don't have because of money, it's with emotional energy and just the taxing of the amount of effort we have to put into every situation. Yeah. I think about this sometimes. I have so many friends of mine who like, I mean, I live in a city. I live in Portland. I like walk around like it's, you know, every single one of my friends has some sort of self-defense device on them. One Mm -hmm. of my friends has a taser, which I think is dope and I really want one. But like, it's because I know that there's going to be one day where I am walking in daylight and I will get approached Mm -hmm. by a man, by anybody, not Mm -hmm. just a man. And there may be, and like, because that's going to happen. That's just Mm -hmm. said. And there may be a time where it escalates enough to the point that I actually have to use that self-defense weapon because Mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands of women have had to use those self-defense weapons or didn't have them on. And that's why they're not here anymore. And let's go back to that conversation that you had started about the commodity and also like capitalizing on women is that, Oh God, the self-defense self-defense items are a market. When they start putting rhinestones on those things, I was like, like, yes, I'll have five, but also, but also we, the fact that they are money, right. So they are profiting off of the violence against women. And that's what's hard is that I don't want to say that, you know, generalize it, that it's a problem. It's just that because we require this item that they then profit and benefit from. And we, you know, in turn profit in a way, be, or I mean, benefit in a way because we feel safer. It's just mm-hmm. hard with that, like, relationship and this transaction that's happening. And what's funny is that, like, I, I did a lot of hikes this summer because mm-hmm. I was prepping. And I would have in one pocket of my backpack my phone and the other pocket would be my little keychain ring that had um, a little key knife and also pepper spray. I never had mm-hmm. to use it. I just felt safer having it. But then outdoor me, like, backpacking version me was like, this is going to be heavy. I don't need this. <laughs> and, like, I'm, like, fighting my own brain of just, like, logically, this is, like, really clunky. And, yeah. Like, being outdoors with this. And at the same time, I do feel better with it. I mean, I don't really use it often. Like, I do know a lot more women that really rely on it. I've, fortunately, I guess, talked myself out of a lot of situations. Um, but I also, like, I was also raised in a different area so my ideas of safety are different but Mm. yeah it just those are just examples of just how the commodity of women and the violence against women is taken advantage of and well and it's like I mean offering self-defense classes selling self-defense tools is a thing that we need because women need it and it's a I great understand resource. that there, mm-hmm. it's a great resource. And there's so many people who work within that market who recognize the need for it and want to help. And that's what they're doing. But you can't, while 
while also saying that, yes, this is a good thing. And I appreciate the people who are doing the work to make these things because so many women would not have like left with their lives without these things. Um, it's so hard to roll back on the like, okay, but what about the fact that there's a whole fucking market for this? Yeah, I know exactly. What, what about the fact that there's like literally people who probably make over $20 million a year because they make pepper spray that they know is going to be bought by women because women are convinced or will be mm. like they will be attacked. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's because that's that's how our world works because right. women get attacked. Right. Have I been have I been like, you know, actually attacked on the street yet? No. Well, but that every day time come, I walk do down I, the yeah. street, I mm-hmm. have a very high expectation that I will be. Mm-hmm. I'm aware of every single person around me because I don't want to die. Absolutely. Like, no, ex- that's literally it. And same. I can't walk outside, like, without having to think about that. No, I don't take my trash out at night after dark. Yeah. And even on a smaller note, I, I can't walk outside without a shirt on and just mm. a sports bra oh, without knowing God. that someone may either objectify me or, like, try to get me to go with them somewhere or something. I think about that all the time in my own home. Like, I am at a house with property and even just stepping outside to get the mail if I'm in my sports bra – I have this stereotype threat that my neighbors are going to sexualize me and or think of me as trashy for some reason, even though I'm just in out like active wear. I'm in active wear. Like maybe I just did a workout. Maybe I just came back from the gym. You don't know. Except I still have this idea. Maybe all my clothes got covered in oil (laughs) and now this is all I own. So fuck you. True. Or maybe you don't know. Maybe I'm just comfortable with my body and it's hot outside. (laughs) Like, yeah maybe it's all of those things we don't know exactly and i think it just sucks that you know this threat does happen within our mind and that's why i'm we're exhausted all the time i'm literally tired just thinking about it i think this does go into the last 20 minutes of the binge-topia episode which i replay a lot because it's really reassuring for me and like it's almost healing where Mm -hmm. they talk about decentering men yeah and i I want to bring that back to the, all the examples we just listed, right? Every experience we just listed with, about harassment, catcalling, um, not being safe on the street or after dark, that is because men are centered in those situations and that is unfortunate and that is how our culture is built right now. And so if capable and if possible, by decentering the man in our head of just when it comes to relationships, I think that that is so valuable, and not think, in a man-hating way. Like, frick, I love men. Men are great. Men are <laughs> I aw- love them. To, like, I, quote Cher, it's like, men are great. They're the coolest. But they're like dessert. I don't need them. Uh-huh. Do I like ice cream every now and then? Of course I do. Do I need it I every day? I love a Snickers bar. Right. And I so. Like, it's it kind of like, I mean, I think to kind of like bring more clarity to your comment when we're mm-hmm. talking about centering men in our lives. We center, like, women-centered men in their lives because of survival purposes, whether it was right. to know that is to a foundation. avoid certain men mm-hmm. or whether to, did I say survivalness? Yeah, that's a word, right? I didn't, I don't remember now, and I know that was, like, two seconds ago, but I don't remember what you said. Okay, well, I'm pretty sure survivalness is a word. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> yeah, for I don't survival. Know. Okay, so, so for yes. survival. But, like... That has evolved over time into centering men in every single aspect of our lives, whether 
we are interested in men sexually or not. Mm-hmm. Because there was a point where if we didn't have a man, we weren't going to eat. Mm-hmm. Like we weren't going to like have a roof over our heads. And now we're at a point where that's actually not the case for a lot of women. Mm-hmm. But we still have men put at the center because we're told they're the most important thing in our lives because at the time they were. And I think otherwise well, we were going to eat. <laughs> right. And like going into romantic relationships, men are still when it comes to relationships in general, I think our culture does, you know, pride itself in partnership and like, oh, your goal as a human is to find a lifelong partner and fulfill your life together or something. Going back to what Mary had mentioned earlier of the idea that women are more successful with a man or in a relationship with a man or when a man is involved, period, whatever that may be. And then holistically, like as a culture, as a society, however we want to say it, the system that we've created or that we have been born into, the goal for women is to find a man or the goal for man is to find a partner. And, you know, that relationship in itself is like, okay, why is the goal, the life goal is to find a lifelong partner, procreate, and like, that's it. In addition to decentering men, Adrian Rich in her article, again, I want to point out that this was written in 1980, describes the lesbian continuum slash lesbian experience. And that title <laughs> featuring Viva, who wants Viva. to eat my headphones right now. So funny. Um, so the lesbian continuum is this range of experience of women to women relationships. And so we wanted to bring this up because one, it was a very interesting discussion about what that lesbian continuum looks like. And I think I'm going to redirect listeners to the actual Benchtopia podcast, because I think one, they describe it better. And two, our main point with bringing this up is that it inspired us to change and alter and create our own like working phrase for what they're trying to describe, which is the socialization of feminine friendships. Yeah. I actually kind of really struggled with the name when I first heard it because at least like the way that I kind of perceived it is I felt like it took away from the lesbian experience and like what actually being lesbian. Yeah, exactly. Like what it means to like hold, like to identify as a lesbian individual because that is such a personal um like level of vulnerability to identify as that especially in the way that our society is structured and that is like um I feel like just saying the lesbian continuum kind of took away from that it was very yeah like a blanket like oh if if you're in a girl group and you're all friends basically like if you've interacted with women you've had a lesbian can like a lesbian experience and I'm like I just don't feel like that's it right and I that's what the Benchtopia hosts did talk about and Adrian Rich I don't think Adrian Rich had the language to really describe what she was saying no because she was like I mean like I just think about all of the thing that all of the terminology that has just developed in the past five years is incredible even the past few months I know 
And it's amazing to just watch. And oh my God, my cat is so soft. You're such a soft cat. But sorry, <laughs> I got distracted by my cat. Um, but it is such a, it's such an interesting thing to, it's such a fascinating thing to watch. And so I'm sure that if Adrian Rich was probably looking back at this in our time, if she had like written it now, she probably would have used a different phrase, which I think is why we're choosing to make our own phrase for it, which is right. And I think the, relationships. the purpose of, you know, the privilege to be able to publish any sort of research or academia or just knowledge of any kind is that, you know, we get to build off of what Adrian Rich gave us, which is so cool because mm-hmm. it's like a little stepping stone for us to be like, but wait, and that's exactly what we're doing. I know, you know, that's actually kind of like a really cool, do you remember, I think it was you and I, we were like watching the Tarana Burke question, like interview thing where some people were just asking her questions just through the, it was through UC Berkeley. It was like an event. Yes. Yes. We went do to you remember talk. this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We went to her talk and like she said, I can't wait for someone else to come in and take charge because I can't wait to see what they think, what they can improve on that I didn't even see. Right. Yes. Tarana Burke was saying how like, this is not for me anymore yeah. because as times go and as experience change, she won't be able to speak to it anymore. Yeah. And as like, I mean, and that's just such a wholesome realization Yeah, to be able to, like, she basically is saying like, I am not going to be in this position forever. Someone else is going to take over the Me Too movement. Well, and also, like, I'm not going to be able to connect with people who have faced, because for Toronto Burke, it's all around the Me Too movement, what it means to, like, have um, survived sexual assault or to, like, be recovering from it. Um, And so, like, for her to be able to recognize, like, I am not at a point where I can fully understand what it means to be a sexual assault survivor in this day and age, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense, because I haven't had what it means to be, like, you know, to have gone through this during the time of Trump's presidency. Exactly. You know, like, exactly. And things like that. So like the fact that, that we were even given the ability to have a conversation like this and then look at it and say, I think we want to change the wording around. I think is pretty freaking cool. Right. Which is why, and I want to transition us into, we have some points that we wanted to bring up, not necessarily critiques, but more of how can we continue this conversation that, Binge-topia started that Adrian Rich started what how do we want to elaborate more on this topic because as much as they laid out for us there's just always so much more that we can cover exactly there's always so much more and there are so many like oh gosh what was the thing that we were talking about earlier oh we were talking about friend zoning and yeah. we were just like that is such a mate like such a that's niche, such a part like, of this yeah but, but it's, it's like, like that wasn't discussed or, right like, and in how their do we episode. actually talk about that and it's not like too like everyone has different experiences with friend zoning and and it's not good or bad mm-hmm. like it's we I've done it it's been done on to me like it happens it happens like, and it's like I can never and I guess that's also I talked about this with Mary too is like I have this like grand sense of optimism with life but when it comes to little things I'm very pessimistic (laughs) and when it comes to like experiences like friend zoning for example um I just know that for whatever reason that that happened whether it be I do it to someone or someone does it to me that there's a reason for that and that you know in 
the long run, it was probably better for everyone. So it's like, there's this gratitude, the same that I have for Adrian Rich. And even though the terminology is outdated, I can still appreciate like what's in front of me. And again, go forward. Something that Ben Shopia host had said is basically take what you want and leave what doesn't serve you. Yeah. And I think that's just what you need to do in life. But I think also the whole point of their episode uh, and the whole point of Adrian Rich's paper was they weren't answering it all. They were no, saying, no, there was they no were saying, solution. No, but they weren't even saying like, this is all it covers, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like they weren't being like, oh, well, it covers the porn industry, which they bring up. It covers, you know, what it means to be a woman, like a BIPOC woman. They like cover these, but then they're not saying, and that's it. It doesn't apply to anything else. No, what they're doing is they're opening the door for us to be able to say, okay, but oh my God, it totally applies to friend zoning or it totally applies to this experience that I had. And so the fact that like these things weren't brought up in their episodes, they're not bad, but it's just now we're here and we're saying, oh, but but let's continue this conversation because we're, we are here now and we have our own experiences to bring to the table. Right. And I think what's fun is that we both had points that um, came up more for us and so like mary had a point that she wanted to bring up that's different from mine to continue this conversation yeah um for me i think the conversation that i like i think something that i saw in the um episode that or i heard in the episode that we listened to was there was a moment where i think that could have come across as um, kink shaming, the way that the porn industry and the way that uh, an individual's sex life was kind of discussed. So at some point in the episode, they bring up uh, Adrian Rich's point about the porn industry, which we, I want to say she was writing, she was writing about the industry from the point of view of being in the 90s or the 80s like being in late nine late 80s early 90s and what it was then and all while it hasn't evolved as much as we'd like to that is to say that the way that it is discussed doesn't come across as positive or sex positive towards what it means to be a part of the bdsm community for me this is something that i was able to study when I was in my graduate program because I studied romance and consent within the book publishing industry. And with that, you, you couldn't not talk about what it means to like have a kink and also have that portrayed within a novel, but then also what that means to have a portrayed, just to have it within your life. So um, I guess I just kind of wanted to say that if you do wind up listening to this episode and maybe you're like feeling, maybe you have certain things that you like to do, there's a moment where you may feel like you're being shamed, but I, that's not what's happening. I don't believe that's what's really happening in Vinchtopia. My immediate reaction was like, oh, I think they're kind of shaming um, like people who like maybe prefer to be dominated or, or like prefer to have a submissive partner. Um, but that being said, it, I don't know. You really just have to kind of like really listen in and realize that they're not reading their thoughts. They're not trying to shame anyone. And Adrian Rich wasn't trying to shame anyone. They were just reading from very different perspectives than I think what we're seeing today, which is a very, very sex positive community that's coming out of the woodworks today. I that like how sense. you put all that. I really <laughs> like how you said all of that. Thank you. Because it's, it's very much that 
you know, we don't, we know it wasn't their intent. And at the same time, the language that was used could have come across differently. Yeah. And I say that because Mary had pointed out this uh, section of the podcast episode to me, and I didn't have that immediate reaction, which was interesting. And again, not bad, not good. There's nothing wrong with that. It's more of just like, okay, maybe we, the way that we have perceived it was just different. And so I think that's what's so interesting with any sort of content that people intake. And what is so cool about being human is that we carry different perspectives and we have so much to give to the world. I know. And it was kind of interesting because I actually saw that while we were discussing this even before, which was like, I noticed that. And a big part of the reason I noticed that was because that's what I, that was part of my thesis project was like actually learning about that world. Whereas like for you, you noticed a lot of the more like that, this feels like it's only talking about white women, you know, like you noticed a lot more of that type of stuff because that's what you've experienced is a lot of 1990s second wave feminism, just being about white women. And I also love inclusivity. (laughs) Yes. Here I am. Um, And something too is that, um, you know, they did point out that there was a lack of um, discussion about women of color and also men of color and what that relationship looks like. And so that's another continuing conversation point. And something else too, when it comes to like binary, like, and when it comes to feminism in general, that gender is such a big aspect of that. And that's something that had brought up to me again. I mean, I'm coming from a cis hetero female body and perspective and the way that I've been socialized. And at the same time, I still notice this and how they didn't go into like men and women being friends and like platonic friendships. What does that mean? What does that, you know, people can think of platonic differently um, and, you know, what it means for queer folks to be a part of each other's community what does that Mm -hmm. friendship look like um across different you know gender identities and maybe like yeah hetero person with a non-binary person there can be clash there because of the gender differences and so again we all come with different life experiences and that's what's again so cool and also very complex um, what that looks like outside of a romantic context. So like they jumped around from, you know, friendship and then also romance specifically with men. Mm-hmm. So that's just interesting and something to continue because we, we used a lot of language as in feminine and masculine because our point of view is the socialization of. And so when we're saying feminine and masculine it's the way the characteristics society deems and how they fall under those two categories and the thing is we're all operating under this heteronormative umbrella Mm -hmm. that's also this like whitewashed umbrella and so it is an umbrella that has been bleached (laughs) it has been bleached it has blue eyes and blonde hair (laughs) It's a very ugly umbrella. I'm not going (laughs) to lie to you. It's kind of weird seeing all the blonde hair hanging off of it when it rains. Right? God, what are Uh... we talking about? (laughs) So, yeah, that's just something to continue the conversation with. And that's 
where our email comes in. I think that would be so fun to just. Yes, I, I just, would love to continue this conversation with I people who like, like heard something web? else that I didn't hear. Yes, or maybe like, I know this might be a game of telephone, but something that maybe we said that stood out where it's like, wait, I want to talk about that. Maybe I would it's friend love zoning. to talk about maybe, that. Yeah, maybe it's platonic relationships. Maybe I would also love to see like, what did we miss? Because we saw mm. like, you know, what was missing from Adrian Rich's paper and like, um, we also kind of like saw things that we felt could have been continued from the Vinchtopia episode, but obviously it's an episode and you can't cover everything. No. But so now I want to know, what did you think of when you were yeah, listening to this? It's just you were like, like this oh, chain. Yeah. I love it. I love it too. <laughs> I do want to end with a quote, if that oh, is okay, okay with you. Yes. So I think it's really easy to kind of get very caught up with, uh, I think it, it was, it's really easy to get caught up in like, oh, society's holding us all back. And, um, you know, we're like doing like, you know, like, what does it mean to be a woman? What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be feminine or masculine and da, 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 or like all these things? Yeah. But I think ultimately at the very heart of this paper, and it was something that I think was said really beautiful by one of the hosts of Benchtopia. And she said in the last couple of minutes where she said, you can't desire on your own when your survival depends on how you act on that desire. And I think that's ultimately the center of this paper, which is to question, are you really getting what you desire by acting the way you are? Or like, are you just trying to survive in this world that is telling you you're wrong? Ooh, spicy. So (laughs) I think that's something that I really wanted to end on because that really hit me. I thought that was really powerful. The fact that it was like, that's what this is about. It's about finding a way to understand what do you need? Like, what do you want yes. and need from yourself, from your life, whether it's in your sexuality or the way that you act, that you feel like is being held back because you're just trying to survive in this world that's telling you everything yes. else, everything else besides the one way you're allowed to act is wrong. Right. And evaluate the people around you. Are they really giving you what you need or are they taking from you? Are they expecting you to act a certain way when you, when you don't not want to, what, when, when that's not who you are, right? Figure out who the fuck you are. And you know what? <laughs> I just want to, I'm going to put this out there. So Tell first me. of all, first of all, our email is Sunday showcase pod at gmail.com. Second, if you're having trouble with a friend or romantic partner and you're thinking this is not for me and you need someone to talk to you about that. Oh, girl. We're here. Oh, oh bro. Like, We're we here. have been through. What's funny is that we've and been also, through it we separately. And also, we love the gossip. We love oh, we do. I mean, and we do have something to offer. Like, I'll, I will say that. Oh, yeah. Also, of just individuals. Right. And I think it's just funny because of this um, topic that Mary and I have gone through friend breakups <laughs> together with the same people and also separately when it comes to, you know, gender and also experience and also um, just perspective and, and understanding what we need and what we want from others and what we're able to give because your energy is so precious. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your energy is Sunday so precious. Sunday Showcase Pod. Sunday Showcase Pod. We would <laughs> love to hear from you. Figure out where your energy needs to be spent. Yes. Elphine. Elphine. Viva, do you have anything to add? There you go. (laughs) 
And that's the tea. Yay!